appreciate that kind, humble prayer. I was telling Brother Joe, I actually remember meeting him. I think I came up to the Bear Creek Association in either 2002 or 2004. It would have been quite a long time ago. And I came with my uncle, Brother Elder Randy Myers. Uh, we came up in this part of the country about, about that time. And I think... That's probably about the last time I was up this way. <laughs> but at any rate, I'm glad to be here with you and uh, trust that you'll be praying this morning that the Lord would bless. You know, um, <clears throat> Paul told the young preacher Timothy to endure hardness as a good soldier. The Lord said, if any man will be my disciple, let him take up his cross daily and follow me. There is a labor... Uh, that God's children are to enter into on a daily basis. Uh, I don't find anywhere, nor have I heard, I mean, I was rocked in a primitive Baptist cradle, been going to church since before I was born. Uh, my grandfather was a primitive Baptist elder. Not that that's got anything to do with where I stand today, but the fact of the matter is, I've never heard of a stool of do-nothing being found anywhere in, in the Lord's kingdom. I hadn't found it. I mean, if I find it, I might sit on it. But I hadn't found it yet. Uh, there is a labor that we are to be in. I can tell you, brethren, that I don't know about y'all, but I sure rest well when I really labor hard. And there is a rest, and the Lord told us of that rest. He says, come ye that labor, right, and are heavy laden. There's a rest for God's people, but where you find it, is in service to the Lord. You don't find rest where there is no labor. That's just the point. You're not going to find it there. Matter of fact, uh, times when I have uh, not worked real hard, I have a very hard time finding rest. Hard to go to sleep sometimes because my mind never will settle. But if I come to the house and I'm dead tired, it doesn't take me long to go to bed. Uh, I mean, I'll go to sleep pretty quick. But there's a rest for God's people, but this rest is something you labor to enter into, which is strange. Now, Paul told Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier. When we profess our faith and belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, when we come for, not in baptism, Endeavoring to follow after the Lord in that example that he set, because, you know, Jesus was not baptized to be made the Son of God. He was baptized because he was. Right. Same reason God's children are baptized today. Not to become a child of God, but because they are. They're baptized. It's not the washing away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience. And in that, there begins a battle. You know, my boys come to me very early on. They wanted to join the church, and I said, I want you to understand some things. I said, Daddy wants you to join the church. I really do. I want to be able to wash your feet. I want to be able to labor with you. I want to be able to serve with you. But I want you to understand what you're doing. I don't want you to be in a fight, son, and not realize you're in a fight. Because when you make this statement, the Lord said, marvel not if the world hates you. Hated me for it, hated you. I want them to understand what's coming their way. When you endeavor to follow, brethren, darkness has always hated light. It will continue to do so, and don't be surprised. Somebody asked me one time, how's the world treating you? I said, well, that's a loaded question. What do you mean that's a loaded question? Well, if they treat me too good, I might not be living the way the Lord's called me to live. Because the Lord said, mom, not the world hates you. So I should be living in a way that the world don't really like me. They hate me. That they don't like the things I say or do. That's, that's what's... Uh, insinuated in that state. So I wanted them to know because there is a battle. Jesus Christ, the first person to visit him was Satan himself. And I'm going to tell you, brethren, you know why that is? Our adversary, the devil, that old roaring lion walking through and fro seeking whom he made about. You ever watch the uh, Outdoor Channel? I like watching the Outdoor Channel. Every now and then I watch Discovery, but they got some crazy folks on there. <clears throat> they got some, I'm telling you, I teach science. Somebody asked me something. I said, look, I got news for you. Good Lord made a full-grown man. I tell you what, he made a full-grown earth. 
When you carbon date a Pepsi can to 12 million years old, you got problems with your system. All right? In science itself, just I'll give you all this one and we'll move on, but I just want to give you this one. Carbon dating takes place based on pressures and things like that that are uh, placed upon it. When you think about the change, you know, the, 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 uh, the gravity of an, of an object is directly related to the mass of an object. Can you imagine what happened to the mass of the earth when the fountains above were opened up and that water came down? It changed the mass of the earth and therefore changed the whole creation. The whole creation was changed. So any kind of idea you got of how things happen, you can't take it beyond that point because it's a totally different system. It can't work the same way. Moving far. I, I don't want to spend long on that, but but the fact of the matter is some of them guys think this earth's millions and millions of years old. Best, best of my understanding, a little better than 6,000 years old. I, that's, the, that's the camp I'd be in. I, I believe the Lord says that. That's a pretty safe place to stand. That's where I want to stand, wherever the Lord says we can stand. Having said that, when you think about this creation. Think about the Lord. The Lord put this, built this creation. Now, we, children of the Lord, there's going to be things that we face. There's going to be opposition. As long as it's out there, I'm fine with that because I expect that. Right? In Nehemiah, you're going to find. Let, let's go to Nehemiah and look. In Nehemiah, you're going to find that Nehemiah uh, is a cupbearer for the king. And Nehemiah, in the first chapter, is the words of Nehemiah. Son of uh, Hakali, and it came to pass the month of Sicily in the 20th year. It was in Shushan the palace, and Hananiah, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and asked them concerning the Jews, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Word come to him, this is what your home looks like, son. Brethren are scattered. Nobody's together. The walls are burned down. They're broken down, and all the gates are burned. Now, get back over here to the Discovery Channel for just a moment. Y'all ever watch the wildebeest on migration? Them old lions, you know who they're looking for? You see, the only, the only security that a wildebeest has is the herd of the wildebeest. But when one of them old wildebeest kind of gets a little sick, they begin to stray away from the herd and they become easy pickings for the lion. And the Bible says the devil has a roaring lion walketh to and fro seeking whom he may devour. I'm going to tell you, brethren, one of the greatest defenses that we have, and I tried to preach on this yesterday, I reckon it was. There's a place that God has promised. Jesus Christ promised that he'll come down and he'll be with us Amen. in the congregation. In the midst of the church, the Lord says, I'll sing praises unto thee. He said, I'm not ashamed to call them my brethren, and I will declare thy name unto, the, unto my brethren in the midst of the church, well, I sing, the church is given to us, brethren, as a fortress. It's our high place. It's, it's a place that we come out from the world to be delivered from all of the enemies that are out there. Amen. Now, what sense does it make to try to bring the world in here? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. You know what's going to happen? Here's what's going to happen. I remember when Israel, they, oh yeah, we want to see what all great work y'all have done. We come and look at it, and then 10 years later, they come in there and spoiled all their goods and took them because they got to see what they had in their house. Tell you what we got in our house is something that's important. Amen. This house is something that God's given us. This is the kingdom that he's established and give unto his people, and in it he hath made us kings and priests. Amen. What else would you want? I don't want anything else, brethren. I, I want something where the Lord says he's going to come. Because you know why? When brethren meet together, all of us are together. Guess what there is? There's some security in that. Amen. There's a defense in that. There is a help in that. I'm not talking about just the Lord. I'm talking about us. You know what? We ought to prefer our brethren above ourselves. That's, right. That's what we're taught. 
I'm going to tell you that your welfare should be my first and foremost concern as my brethren. If I put my desires and myself above your welfare and your well-being, then I'm no better than the world. I am not a brother to you. When I put myself and my desires above you and above the cause and above the kingdom, I'm going to tell you, I, I, I'm verging on, on, on being a heretic. That's a hard word, but I'm telling you it's the truth. When I put my desires above that of the body. Why? Because there is security in the body of Christ. Why? Because we got some walls around here, Right? We got some walls. The Lord has put a hedge of protection about it. This is a place where he comes to. And I got news for you. I, I told him yesterday, I said, you know, my middle brother had a funny way of stirring trouble up. When we were kids coming up, he didn't even look like he belonged in our family. He's about, he's a little smaller brother Ronnie, actually. <laughs> and my baby brother's about my size. I mean, you just wouldn't think he fit. Now, he looks like us, but he's just a smaller version. And that boy could stir up some stuff. And you know what he did when he got it all stirred up? He come find Big Brother. Because <laughs> Big Brother could bring an end to the stirred up stuff. I hadn't always been a preacher, brother. <clears throat> and he would stir stuff up. And he'd call Big Brother. Well, I got news for you, brother. We got a Big Brother, too. Amen. And I promise you this. The best way to resist the devil is draw just as close to your big brother as you possibly can. Because when you walk in with him, y'all was singing that song, Brother Ryan looked at me and said, you know, Enoch must have been a, a mighty fine man when he was walking with the Lord. I said, he must have been. And you know what? When we walk with the Lord, there's a lot of things that you really don't have to worry about. You know why? Oh, Satan, I won't come around the Lord. How many times did the Lord come up? Y'all remember when that old poor old fella, that wild Gadarean, Lord come up. He said, have you come to torment us before our time? Oh, you got to know who the Lord is. Even the devils know who the Lord is. You do well. No, he knew exactly who he was. You know why? Because he's fixing to chuck them out of that man. He's going to throw them out, cast them out. And they knew what was fixed to happen. And brethren, they know there's coming a day when the devil and all of his angels are going to be cast into an everlasting place called hell. And that's where they're going to reside. And anybody else that's in the camp of Esau, all right? Jacob and all of his family of the household of faith and the heirs of God are going to be with him in glory. Amen. And when that happens, all of our troubles are over with. But we ain't there yet. So we're still here. And while we're here, we've been given a place. We need to be as, as smart as the coney. You know what he says over there? Consider the coney, right? You know where the coney takes refuge? In the hill. You know where he hides when the enemy comes? In the rocks. I'm going to tell you, brother, we're given a rock. And that's a strong defense. Amen. He is our deliverer, brethren. Why would we not flee to him? Why would we have any confidence in the flesh and not flee unto the Lord? I, I, I don't understand that. I'd be like me being out there and there's a fort over here. The enemy's right there. And there's a wide open plain out there. Let me run out there. There's no fortress. There's no help. There's no defense. I'm totally exposed to my enemy. You know what happens to the wildebeest? It falls back from the back of the pack. They get ate. And old Satan, our adversary, the devil's roaring lion, walking to and fro, seeking whom he made about. Now, I ain't saying be scared. He says be careful for nothing, right? Only thing you got to do is fear the Lord and serve Him. And I'm going to tell you, a whole lot of things will fall into place. That's amazing how that works. Fear the Lord and serve Him. You know, everything else is going to be all right. I tell young couples all the time when I counsel with them, I said, I'm going to tell you what. Young man, if you will serve the Lord and try to be the husband and the father that God's called you to be, and if you, dear sister, will serve the Lord and strive with all of your might to be the wife and the mother God... Y'all will have a blessed marriage all the days of your life. All the days of your life. If you just strive to serve the Lord, I'm going to tell you what, you're going to be found serving one another. It's amazing how that works. And I'm not surprised that we have the enemy out there. We got that. 
We face spiritual wickedness in high places. And part of knowing you're in a fight is knowing you're in a fight. Sometimes it'll shock you when somebody hits you in the face, right? I mean, you know you're in a fight when somebody punches you in the nose. Y'all ever been there? I ain't talking about a physical altercation. I'm talking about you're out there and all of a sudden the good Lord, uh, old Satan himself socks you one and you realize, oh man, this is bad. I'm, I'm in a scrap here. Had no idea. Now I realize I'm in a fight. Somebody's hit me in the face. I'm in a scrap. It is a battle, brethren. It is a scrap from time to time. Nehemiah gets word. The defense of the city is nothing. The walls are torn down. There's no gates. Keep looking because I'm going to tell you, this had an impact on Nehemiah. If you turn over, it's in the second chapter. I knew it was left-hand page, left-hand column right there. But anyway, he, he comes in before the king. It says, uh, he came to pass the ninth month. This is the second chapter, first verse. I took up the wine, gave it unto the king. Now, I had not been before time sad in, the, in his presence. Wherefore, the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? He said, You're not sick. What's wrong with you? Why, why you got such a long face? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. <laughs> then I was very sore afraid. You see, the cupbearer, he could have lost his head if he made the king unpleased with him. He could have been put to death. And he's coming there at his job. Get me? You know what the first thing on his mind is at his job? His brethren. How often is that our case? When we leave here tomorrow morning, we go to work. Are you thinking about the brethren? Are you thinking about the welfare of Zion? Are they on your mind? You know, because all too many times we get yoked up with everything we in, kind of like old bird rabbit and tar baby you know we get next thing we know we all wrapped up in it we got our hands and our feet and we're totally caught is the congregation are your brethren on your mind on Monday is the cause of Christ and his kingdom on our heart can it weigh on us so heavily that people that we work with say man what's wrong with you oh I'm heartbroken I'm sorrowful why because because my brethren, I'm thinking about my brethren. They're on my mind. You see, that's what we're called to be as brothers and sisters in Christ. We're called to prefer one another above ourselves. We're to pray one for another. We're to hold one another up in prayer. We're to help one another. And James says, let any man know if he converts a brother from the error of his ways, he saved a soul from death and hidden a multitude of sins. There's some old hoary heads out here that have been through it. You need some help? There's some folks you can ask. The elder brethren are teach the younger brethren. The elder sisters are teach the younger sister. We have a pattern in Scripture. There's a place to find help. Not only do you get help from the Lord, you get help from the brethren. The brethren are here. And God's given all these gifts of the men for the perfecting of the saints. We've got the kingdom for the perfecting of the saints, for the building up of the saints. The reason the gospel's preached is so that we can be prepared to go and, play, and face uh, Monday morning when you have to go out there in the workforce, and hopefully enough of it stuck that our mind is still upon Zion. Amen. Nehemiah's mind is on the household of God and the city of the Most High. And I'm telling you, it's not going to turn him loose because he's worried about the wall around Zion because it lays in waste and God's children are scattered and they are on his mind. Now, too many folks today want to scatter God's children right. as opposed to bring them together. Amen. I would to God our desire would be to bring God's children together Amen. as opposed to scatter God's children. Just to feed the sheep. I'm going to tell you, I, I can carry feed in the bucket. I mean, Lord, bless me. You know, I can carry feed in the bucket. You know what they need? Paul told him, preach the word. God's children need the word preached. They don't need nothing else. I had a fellow one time going to teach a whole series about some book. I'm like, man, did God not give you everything you needed? I mean, my, my understanding was 
All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine. That's what you're supposed to believe. For a proof, that's wrong with what's, what's wrong with what you believe right now. For correction, that's how you fix what's wrong with what you believe right now because you're in there concerning the doctrine that was already given. For instruction in righteousness. You want to know how you're supposed to live? Hello? He got instructions. It's like some of these things, these kits you buy. I'm telling you, you better read the instructions. Some of us, we don't like reading instructions. Wife comes in there and looks. What's all these? Oh, that's just extra parts they sent, honey. Don't worry. Don't worry about that. Put TV up there. Ah, maybe they were important. No, we've given, given instructions. It's instructions in righteousness, brother. You want to you know how you're to live and, and function as a, as a faithful husband? There you go. You want to know how you're supposed to function as a faithful wife? Got instructions. It's not a mystery. I told him one time, I said, I don't pray over stop signs. I don't have to. It says stop. You pull out there, you're going to get busted by a truck. That's not going to feel good. They'll bust your all bag. That's bad. You'll say all. <laughs> right? You, you don't want that to happen. There's things, brethren, that we're warned in God's word. There's a stop sign. When you see a stop sign, by all means, please stop. One time I was riding with Elder Oscar Easterlin. I was about 13 years old, and I'd carry Brother Oscar fishing. We come out of the road onto a highway that people drive 75 and 80 miles an hour. Now, the speed limit was 55, but it didn't, that didn't bother them. <clears throat> I'm just glad they wasn't doing 583 because that was the name of the high school, uh, the highway there. Brother Oscar, I was riding with him. I was about 13. He come up to that stop sign. He didn't ever look or stop or nothing. He just <laughs> took a left. I'm talking about we crossed two lanes of traffic. I was like, oh, Lord, deliver us to wherever we're going, and I'm going to drive back. <laughs> this is bad. I said, Brother Oscar, there was a stop sign back there. He said, son, I've been coming out of that road for 50 years, and I ain't stopped yet. <laughs> I said, well, it don't take but once. <laughs> you know, that's the problem with the uh-oh, isn't it? One uh-oh can mess up a whole bunch of attaboys. It doesn't take but one uh-oh to cause all kind of devastation, brother. One uh-oh can cause more damage than you can fix in a lifetime. One uh-oh can be detrimental and cause death. That's how dangerous it is. It, it is. I'm not talking about it in a natural way. I'm talking about it in a spiritual way. We need to be that cautious and that concerned about the welfare and care of the household of faith. Because it is important. I mean, consider this. This is how important it is. God sent his only begotten son to die for you. Then he sent him to establish his kingdom so you have a place and you are set up as a habitation of God and he can come down and dwell with us. This is an important thing that we have as God's children. Why would we take that for granted? Why would we overlook what God has given us and say, oh, well, I got a better idea. Hey, I got a better idea. Go have a better idea out there. Don't need a better idea in here. Because right. you do understand, brethren, there's a reason you put walls around a city. Keep the world out there. Right. right? So Nehemiah's heart is on the city of God. I, I hope, brethren, that tomorrow when you go to work, I hope your heart will be on the city of the Most High God. I hope your heart will be on the saints. There's, there's so many that face so many things. And brethren, I'm going to tell you, there's people sitting on a pew beside you that are going through things that you have no clue what they're facing. But you know who does? The Lord. He knows. And I'm going to tell you, you ought to be praying one for another because we're instructed to. And we're also instructed to pray without ceasing. Let's be praying one for another. Let's pray for the cause. Let's pray for the kingdom. Let's pray for the Lord's guidance that he would bless us to walk in a way. I'll never forget this. Growing up, old brother Harold Young was a deacon there at Union Church where I grew up. And this was always his prayer. Lord, bless us to walk in a way that if we look back and see one of thy little ones walking in our path, it will not bring reproach unto thy great name 
nor harm unto thy kingdom. That's a prayer. I'm going to tell you that ought to be our prayer, brethren. What we're a part of, you realize, has been on the face of this earth for over 2,000 years, established by the Lord himself. I tell you, it's important. The perpetuity of the church and understanding that, that's important too. So when brethren are ordained, hands are laid on them, you've got to realize them hands go back to them hands, and them hands go back to them hands, and them hands go back to them hands, all the way back to the hands of the apostles. When Jesus Christ established his kingdom, and if this ain't it, I'm going to find it wherever it is. But I'm persuaded this is it. I'm persuaded this is it. I'm persuaded I'm among the heirs of promise, those that are striving with all of their being to serve God in spirit and in truth. Nehemiah's thoughts, everything about him is thinking about the household of faith. He's thinking about the, the city of the Most High God. And he tells the king, you know what happens? The king gives him leave. Here's the most amazing thing. King not only gives him leave, he gives him authority to go into the king's forest and get timbers that he's going to need to build the gates and the houses and everything. This is amazing how this works. So everything's going to be a bed of roses? No. No. You get over there and he gets over there and they start doling out work assignments for this wall. You know what? Each family. I'd say, Brother, Brother Ronnie... You and your family, y'all got this section of the wall. Brother Helms, you've got this section of the wall. Brother Bowling, you got this section of the wall. You and your family. Each family, if you look here, you'll find out that each family had a section of the wall around the city. Now, we as different members make up one body, brethren. Okay? We as different members make up one body. Guess what? You still got a section of wall. You still got a section of wall, brother. Now, as we endeavor to defend our position, and that's what a wall is, is a defense. Matter of fact, they're so effective, you know, they still use them today. That's amazing, isn't it? I mean, you would think with all the technology that we have today, you wouldn't have to have walls around something. But when they go and they set up a, a, a military attachment out, like my brother was in Desert Storm, you know one of the things they done? They put walls up. Put walls up. My daddy said good fences make for good neighbors. <laughs> Put some walls up out there. Right? Good fences make for good neighbors. Put those walls up. You got a section of wall, brother. Each family had a section of wall. Guess what happens? Here they are, boy. These people, they're just a laboring and working and everything's going real good and, and they're building it up. Then it came to pass in the fourth chapter, this fellow by the name of Sambalat heard that, that we built the wall, and he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. Oh, them poor little brethren down there at Union Grove. Don't you think they wish they could afford a piano? Bless their little hearts. <laughs> right? I can hear it now. You know what, brethren? Over in 2 Chronicles 29... Hezekiah commanded there be an offering made for the atonement of Israel. And there was all kind of instruments that taken place up until which time the sacrifice was complete. And when the sacrifice was complete, you know what he commanded? He commanded that they bow their heads and they worship and they sing the songs and hymns of David and Asaph. And you know what happened to the instruments? They ceased. You know what beautiful picture of that? Once a year, the high priest had to go in. He had to keep going in. Once a year, once a year, instruments of men would go in. You know the problem with the high priest? They'd die. Then you had to get another. And then they'd die and you had to get another. But brethren, now we no longer need the instruments of men because we have the man. Christ Jesus. So in the church, brethren, being that the sacrifice is complete and atonement's made, would not our practice and worship be a direct representation of what our doctrine is? Yes, it is, and that's why we sing the way we sing. Because we understand there's no need for the instruments of men, being that we have the man, Christ Jesus. What we do as a body should be a reflection of what we understand to be the doctrine of God's Word. It's important. 
What we do is important. I mean, clearly it was important. In our part of the country, brethren split over a piano. They said, we're not going to have it. They split. It was an important enough thing for them that they said, you know what? We're not going to compromise on this point. Not going to do it. Here, they're getting this wall built up, right? Came to pass, these fellas, oh, bless their heart. He starts mocking them. Oh, y'all building this wall up, huh? Well, I guess y'all going to start sacrificing again. You know, the world don't like it when things start going well, brother. Not only does the world not like it, Satan don't like it. Satan don't like it when the church is being blessed, the wall's going up, brethren are standing in defense. He don't like that one bit. And I'm going to tell you, he wants to get his ugly little head right up in here. I ain't fixing to rebuke him, I can tell you that. If Archangel Michael said, the Lord rebuked thee, we'll leave that. He said, the Lord rebuked thee. I'll tell you what I want to do, though, to the best of my ability. I want to resist him. And the best way I can resist him, I can draw as nigh unto the Lord as I possibly can to stay away from him as far as I can. Not only can I draw nigh unto the Lord, I can draw nigh unto the Lord's people and other brethren that have the same hope of their calling. The unity of the Spirit. One hope, one faith, one baptism, and we draw together. And I'm going to tell you, the Lord's in our midst because we're gathered together in His name, and that keeps the enemy at bay. Here, they start mocking them. What are you, what are you doing? He spake before his brethren, the army of Samaria, and said, What are these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite uh, was with him, and he said, Even that which they built, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. He said, That wall ain't even strong enough to keep a fox out. Look at what he says. Hear, O our God, for we are despised, and turn their reproach upon their own head, and give them for a prey in the land of captivity, and cover not their indignity, and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee. Whew, that's serious right there. He said, Lord, put their, look at what he says, turn their reproach back on their heads, and he said, don't cover up their iniquity. And let not their sin be blotted out from before thee. You realize what? I mean, that's, that's a pretty serious prayer right there, Brother Ryan. I mean, I've got some folks that I've prayed for, but I ain't never prayed that. I mean, Lord, blot out their, don't blot out their sins. That's what he's saying. Don't blot out their sins. Let their iniquity come up before you as you see their reproach. For they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. So build we the wall, and all the wall was joined together into half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. All right, now we learned two things here. One thing is our mind, let, let me tell you this. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus our Lord. Right, what do you think was on Christ's mind? I'm going to tell you that everything he done was for us. We were on his mind. Matter of fact, he says, I may tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me. What's that got to do with anything? I may tell all my bones they look and stare upon me. Well, I'm going to tell you what happened over in Genesis. What happened over in Genesis when the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and took a rib from his side. And when he looked at Eve, he said, Bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they too should be one flesh. You know what we are as the bride of Christ? Bone of his bone. We're his. You know what was on his mind? He, for the joy that was set before him, having his bride with him, endured the cross, despising the shame. You know what kept him there, brethren? Them nails didn't keep him on there. But his love for his bride kept him suspended there between heaven and earth because of the great love wherewith he had loved us. We've been on his mind. Should not his people be on our mind? Should not he and his cause be on our mind every waking moment of every day? That's what we learned. Nehemiah, he's thinking about his brethren, and he's thinking about the city of the Most High God. That's what's on his mind. And it's broken his heart because of the word he got. You know what he does when he gets that word? Well, I sure will pray for them brethren over there. I hope they get that worked out, Brother Ronnie. I'm not fixing to go get my hands dirty. No, you know what he did? He started getting some things together and went to help. I'm going to tell you what, brethren, we need to help. 
Huh? We need to have a mind to work. Not only did he have a care and a love for her, but he had a desire to do something about right. I'm going to tell you what I call that. I call that love in action. I call that charity. I call that actually moving on something. We need to have a mind to work. Now, I'm going to skip forward. Fast forward, all right? We're going to get on over in here, and you're going to find out that, that them mocking the brethren wasn't good enough. Next thing you know, they say, we're going to get an army together, and we're fixing to come over there, sneak up on them, and put a wop knot on their head. So if y'all know what a wop knot is, if somebody's ever hit you hard enough, a knot jumps up on your head, that is a wop knot. All right? So, so I know some people don't understand a wop knot, so just so we're all on the same page. We're going to go over there, and we're going to kill those Jews. That's what they're saying. We're going to go over there, and we're going to kill them. Well, they find out that their enemy's coming. So you know what they do? They pause from their work. They get their spears, their arrows, their shields, and they're ready. We're sitting here and we're ready. We're ready. Come on. Does the enemy show? No. The thief don't come when you're home. I wish he would have. I'd let him have some of my guns, not the ones he took, but the ones I had. Barrel in first. <clears throat> Thief's not going to come when you're ready for him, folks, or when you're at the house looking for him. He's going to come when you're not there, when you're not expecting him, you see? He's going to try to spoil your house when you're not prepared to defend your house. Now, here they are. They're prepared to defend the house. The enemy don't show. You know why? They're ready to defend. Sometimes all you got to do is just be ready, and that'll keep the enemy at bay. But you can't just stand there on the ready your whole life. You see, because not only is there a defense of this city, but there's a building and a building up and an edifying of this city that has to take place. And there's two ditches. I'm telling you, brethren, anything you do, there's two ditches. There's a ditch on this side of the road and a ditch on that side of the road, and either one of them is nothing more than a grave with both ends knocked out. And when you get over there, you're just going to be stuck. All right, so you need to stay in the road. Right? Stand ye in the old paths. All right? Where is the good way? That's not a bunch of old paths. There's one good way there. And we need to walk therein. We're told to abide in this city. We're to take up residence in this city. We're to live in this city. We're to have our being and our care and our thoughts in this city that God's blessed us with. This should be on the forefront of our mind. And we should be prepared to defend the city, but not just defend the city. Because the enemy didn't come when they was prepared for defense. And you know what he said? The beast of burden, they, they were labored. They were tired. You know what? I get tired, brother. I get tired sometimes. We all get tired. I get tired of swinging a sword and holding a shield sometimes. I do. I grow weary. I get tired of hitting the same monkey in the head every time he tries to call over the wall. Sometimes I just want to cut his head off. It may not be the right thing for me to do. But you can't just stand in defense all the time. Because there's still a labor and an edification that has to happen. So guess what happens now? Here's what we're going to do. we got some brethren standing over here and they're going to be standing watch. And what you're going to do is you're going to have a sword in one hand and a trial in the other. And you're going to build your section of wall. I'm going to tell you, brethren, you got a section, brother. You got a section, brother. You got a section. You, brethren, have a section of wall. Now, I'm okay when the enemy comes from out there. But you know, far too many times, our enemies are there of our own household. That's sad. I'm going to tell you, brother. I'm just going, I'm just going, this is plain as I can explain this out there. I don't really have a problem with things that go on out there. You know, most of God's children's got sense enough to recognize them for what they are, and they're not going to be fooled by, fooled by them. What bothers me is close. I, I don't have to worry about a, a, a far miss. Far misses don't bother me, but a near miss, I'm going to tell you, that'll scare you. That'll scare you. A near miss is dang. You know, when I hear something booming out there, that's fine and good. Y'all ever been duck hunting or dove hunting? 
boom, boom. I ain't worried about that. I'm still looking for ducks. But I'm telling you, when I hear lead going through the leaves right over my head, I start finding a hole to get in. Because <clears throat> that's, that's getting close. What I'm telling you is air, as long as it's out there, it doesn't bother me. What bothers me is that when it gets in here, your section wall is important. A trial in one hand, a spear in the other. I think about on them old shows, you'd hear that, that alarm go off. It'd say, man, the battle stations. Well, I'm going to tell you what, sometimes here, these brethren was out there, and he said, you know what, I'm kind of worried because we all kind of scattered out. So I tell you what the plan is. When you hear the trumpet, let's all come together. Because we scattered out on the wall. Do you hear that trumpet blow? We all come together. You know what they're doing? They're manning the battle stations. Sometimes you got to man the battle stations. Sometimes you have to lay down the trial and pick up your weapons and defend the city. And then you have to pick back up the trial, start edifying and building up. But we need to have a mind to work, a mind to defend, and a mind to edify. Got to do all of them. You can't do one or the other. Sometimes, you know, it's real easy just to be a sheepdog sometimes. But you got to build up too. You got to defend. You got to build up. You got to edify. Got to do all those things. Now, I'm going to tell you, brother. The Lord pronounces a woe, and this is one of the things I'll tell you. Luke in the 17th chapter. Then said he to the disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. Brother Ronnie, you're going to have offenses come. This is the way it is. In this life, guess what, brethren? You're going to have tribulations. I'm not going to tell you it's going to be a cakewalk. I don't know where they find that. Left of Genesis and right of Revelations. Unfortunately, we're going to face trials and tribulations, sickness, death, separations, offenses. Things like that are going to come. I had a kid play football for me. He's an eighth grader. He'll be a ninth grader next year. I usually have all of them play on the junior high program, but the, the coach took over the junior high program. He said, I can't deal with that kid. He, he thinks too much of himself. Well, he's about 230 pounds, and he's 6'3", and he's an eighth grader. Pretty good athlete. He said, I'm just sending him up to you for varsity. I said, all right, send him on. Well, I'm trying to develop this young man, and you know, somebody else, he wasn't there at practice on Monday, and I was installing the defense, so guess what? When you're not there, put somebody else in his spot. He sends me a text on Thursday. I'm, I'm just tired of this. I, I can't put up with this. I, I quit. You know what I said? Well, son, if that's how much you love playing football and how much respect you have for me, you need to quit. Don't come back. If you're not prepared to compete and come back and work for your position, then don't. We don't need you. Look, folks, we all got a position. You are the only person that can fill your spot in the Lord's house. You're it. And sometimes we're going to face problems. Sometimes we're going to face enemies. Sometimes we're going to be under attack. Sometimes we're going to have to defend. But you can't be like, Terrence, when that happens, you can't say, I'm just tired of fighting. I'm going to sit down over here. No, brother. Pick up your trial. Pick up your sword and get back at it. Why? Because there's a labor. And when we labor, we enter into that rest. We find rest, brethren. There's a blessing for us here. Here he says, offenses, they're going to come. They're going to come. He says, but woe unto him through, through whom they come. I'm going to tell you, when the Lord pronounces a woe on something, it do us well to pay attention to it. I hope I never bring offenses unto God's people. But more than that, I hope I never bring something that's offensive unto God. Do y'all understand? Because a lot of times what people say, oh, you offend me. Well, look, if I'm standing according to the word of God, if you're offended with that, your problem is not with me. Right. Your problem's with God. So you take that up with him, then me and you'll talk after a while. Right? right. That's, I, that's the truth now. 
He says it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he was cast in the sea than he should defend one of these little ones. I'm going to tell you that uh, when you look at this, when the Lord pronounces a woe upon something, what I want you to know, brethren, is what you do and how you do is extremely important. You have a section of wall. That wall is yours to defend and to build up. And we all, as different members, make up one body. It says, ye as lively stones are built up into a spiritual house, right? That we can do what? That we can worship God the way we're supposed to worship God. If you start snatching stones out of a wall, it's not going to take long. It's going to start crumbling. Right. you got to have your little self in the wall. i got to have my little self in the wall. Last thing I'm going to leave you with is this. I've always used it says, for who hath despised the day of small things? Can you imagine? You got this old brother standing out there in the middle of the field holding a plummet. You're like, what in the world is he doing? Well, I'm going to tell you, he's laying out a great palace. Right. Laying out a great palace. There's a guy that played football with me in college. We called him Two Toes Townsend. Right before that, during the summer, he was riding three-wheelers on McCall Creek. And he wrecked that thing and got his foot. He was wearing flip-flops. There's another reason you ought not wear flip-flops. But anyway... He was wearing flip-flops, and he got his foot in the sprocket of that three-wheeler, and it popped off the three middle toes. He left his little toe and his big toe. Popped them other three off. They couldn't find them. They washed down the river. He couldn't wear flip-flops anymore. <laughs> he couldn't hold them. That's funny. Anyway, we bought him slides. There you go, buddy. Uh, so, uh, we'd open up Fritos and say, hey, two toes, you want a Frito? <laughs> We gave him a hard time. But he was a receiver, okay? He played receiver. You see, in a receiver, one of the greatest talents he needs to have is agility and speed. That without agility and speed, guess what happens to your scholarship? See you, pal. And he was worried to death that he was going, his 40 time was going to get, he was going to get slow. He was worried that he wouldn't be able to cut. If he run a five and out, he wasn't going to be able to stick that route and run it flat. Or if he run a curl, he couldn't plant it down. Because he had lost his toe, the doctor said, oh, man, no problem, no problem. He said, as soon as you get healed up, you're going to be good to go. You, you, you'll never lose a step because you got your big toe and your pinky toe. That's your little toe, your least toe, and your great toe. He said, but had you lost your least toe, we wouldn't be worried about a 40 time. We'd be learning to walk. Did you know that? Do you know all the balance in your body, your little bitty toe and your big toe, that's what keeps you from falling over. So you might think, well, my little bitty section of the wall, I just got a little bitty section right here. We all different members make up one body. Guess what, brethren? You might be the pinky toe. You got me? Oh, I have a little contribution. I'm just the littlest member. You know what? Your absence, your failure, your fault, it may bring down the whole body. What you do is important because there is still a cause under heaven and in heaven and in his kingdom. There is a name above every other name, and brethren, we bear it about, and how we do that is important because the Lord cares. And I pray that the Lord's been here with us this morning, and I pray that every time you meet here, that his presence be made known, and he be once among you, and he put a hedge of protection about you. But I also pray that we not sit on a stool and do nothing and say, oh, the Lord's going to fight all our battles. Well, he will. He's also given you sense enough to build your section of the wall and have a sword in one hand and a trial in another. And I pray you be found standing in defense of the gospel. And Paul told Timothy, I pray that you're not ashamed of the gospel. I pray every day that I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I pray that I'll stand for the truth of God all the days of my life. And men may hate me, they may revile me, and that's okay, because as long as the good Lord's okay with me, I can sleep at night. But if he's not okay with me, then I have problems, brother. And I have to take that up with him, and he takes that up with me. But until the time we see him as he is, and we don't have to worry about a wall around a city because our enemies are separated by a gulf that they can't pass. Until that time, may we be found laboring for the cause of Christ in service in his kingdom, laboring and preferring one another above ourselves and ministering unto the saints of God. May the Lord bless you, sir.
very much appreciate the preaching effort this morning by, by Brother Luke. And uh, I've been exhorted to, uh, to be more uh, concerned about being a builder in the house of God. Also, be concerned about the responsibility I have to defend what the Lord has, has blessed us to have. You know, we as children of God, we'll, we'll manifest by our actions what's important to us. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 18, Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust doth not corrupt, and where thieves cannot break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What's important to us? What's important to you? What's the first thing? Are you like Nehemiah? You think about the house of God? The city. This should be important to us. You know why? This was given to us by the Lord. Amen. This place that we have in this kingdom is by, by, his, by his grace. Without his eternal grace, we cannot experience this. Without his temporal grace and his leadership and help, we, we can't be here. This is important. This belongs to, to him. You know, I've, I've said this many times about the church. Um, years ago when I came home to the Lord's church and asked to be a member, you know, the church would have been just fine without me, Brother Joe. Been just fine. The Lord's church would have been just fine, but I would not have been just fine without the church. Right. See, the church has been a great blessing to me. It's changed my life. It's changed my. It's made me a better, a better person. It's a place where I can come and hear the gospel preach, and look into the perfect law of liberty. You know, James calls on the children of God to look into the perfect law of liberty. You know what that is? That's the word of God. Even the word of God being preached by the gospel. I, I need that. If, if you ever thought about this, how how awful most of us look, but how awful would we look if we didn't have a mirror to look into on a regular basis? <laughs> I come here and I look in a mirror to see what I need to do in my life to be a better dis disciple. I, I need this. This should be important to me, so important that I'm working to build and also laboring to defend all at the same time. And who called us to do this? The Lord called us to do this. We want to publish an open door of the church. If there's anyone here today that would like to ask for a home here at Union Grove Primitive Baptist Church. If you'd like to pick up a trial and put a sword in your hand and begin to labor on the walls here in the kingdom of God, I'll tell you, this is a good place to be. It's a, it's a good people.